Welcome to the Healthy Mind Fit Body Podcast. This is episode number 14. I'm Kevin, and I've got uh, Wes on the other line. Hey, Kev. How's it going? Good. And uh, we've also got a special guest today, Amy Dungan of HealthyLowCarbLiving.com. And Amy has had huge success with a low-carb diet and has been quoted on ABCNews.com and is also a regular contributor at Examiner.com. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I'm glad to be here. Oh, it's uh, great having you. Yeah, I noticed you have a ton of articles on the Examiner, huh? You've been working away at the blogs quite a bit, huh? Yeah, I have. I've been trying to put up everything that, that would seem helpful to someone in some aspect. So, yeah, every time I see something that interests me, I try and write a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's a lot of fun. And you're also into photography, I see. Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Do you take lots of pictures of your low-carb meals? <laughs> uh, no, not really. Um, usually, I'm just interested in eating. Um, <laughs> gotcha. So, I've done a few. When I do recipes or try something new, maybe I'll take a picture of it. But I was just thinking of those uh, Yelp reviews. You know, people take pictures of the food they eat and they rate it on Yelp. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I had thought about doing the whole uh, photo food logging thing for a mm-hmm. while, but I don't know. I got to get the camera out and set it all up. And, yeah. you know, it's just too much time for me. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a project, huh? Yeah, it is a project. So, so yeah, we had a list of questions. Um, really curious about your process, how you did this. What were the motivating factors in deciding to start eating low carb? Had you been kind of interested in it in the past or um, dedicated to the high carb, low fat thing? Because that was my perspective. I thought that was the best way to eat. And then all of a sudden my uh, worldview changed when I started reading about the insulin factor as a contributor to weight gain and fat storage. Yeah, absolutely. I had tried just about every diet there was. um, And I was absolutely the whole, you know, low fat, high carb. This is how you're supposed to eat. This is what's best for you. And despite the fact that sometimes I lost a little weight, um, I was always tired, I was always depressed, it just never worked long term for me. Mm -hmm. So I had gotten to the point where I was pretty well desperate. I mean, I had family members that had diabetes and other problems that, you know, excess weight can make worse. The metabolic syndrome stuff? Yes, yes, absolutely. And I had no clue what it was. I just thought maybe it was just something about me. You know, maybe I was lazy. I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. I just I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working for me when that was what was supposed to be what was best. So when my children were little, I had spent some time with them doing some homeschooling stuff because I homeschool my children and have from the beginning. Oh, great. We're big fans of homeschooling. Oh, it's, yeah. it's great. But it sure takes a lot of time and energy. And I was having a hard time keeping up with my kids. And they had all this energy and they were ready to just go, go, go when they got up in the morning. And I was dragging and I knew part of it was my excess weight, but I also was afraid that it was health issues. Uh, I just didn't know what was wrong with me. I just knew something wasn't right. So I started doing some studying and started reading up on insulin and the energy issues that too much insulin can cause. Mm -hmm. And before I know it, I was giving the low carb diet a try. And before I would have been the biggest skeptic, I just, you know, I would have said, oh, no, 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 that's not healthy. You're going to kill yourself with that kind of diet. But I got to the point where it was my last resort. I had to do something. And it really made a difference. I was surprised at how well it worked for me. Yeah. And you've been doing this for how long? I've been doing this since 2001. Oh, great. That's awesome. What do you think the keys are to prevent the yo-yo dieting cycle that so many people go through? I think the biggest key is 
to make it a permanent change. Uh, too many people look at it as I've reached my goal and you know now I can eat ho hos and <laughs> yeah. you can't. You're only going to keep the weight off if you eat the way you've eaten to lose that weight. So I think we get lazy maybe a little bit, um, maybe a little bit too self-confident. You know, now we've lost the weight, here we are. Mm-hmm. And we go back to our old ways thinking that somehow the fat cells have memory <laughs> of that low weight level. Yeah, yeah. But I liked your uh, the myth and the fact section you have on your website, healthylowcarbliving.com where you mentioned this process that people, they think they can just go back to their prior way of eating, but that's obviously what created the excess fat to begin with, right? It is, it is. I mean, I guarantee I did not gain weight because I was eating healthy meats and cheeses and vegetables. I was diving headfirst into the Ben and Jerry's, and I was eating all this stuff, you know, all the pastas and all the fat-free this and fat-free that that's loaded with sugar and trans fats and all these things that, at the time, I thought were good for me, and they were just making me worse. So, yeah. yeah, you definitely can't go back to eating that way. Yeah, our whole culture is inundated with carbs. And so the notion that low-carb diets are some strange way of eating, I think, is the result of just being inundated with all the carbs. Really, a low-carb diet is a lower-carb diet when you look at it realistically. Yes. But nonetheless, the Atkins diet has an induction phase at the beginning to really kind of kickstart that process of burning the fat. So how hard was it for you to start that process of induction, which is like less than 20 grams of carbs per day? Did you do that? And um, how many carbs are you eating now? I did do the induction, and at first it was difficult. Uh, I had horrible cravings, and I think I remember dreaming about foods that I couldn't eat for a couple of nights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I have those nightmares where you wake up and you're, you know... <laughs> sitting in a vat of icing or something, you know? <laughs> but uh, I told myself I could do anything for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't feel better or see improvements after two weeks, then, you know, I would try something different. But I had heard such wonderful things about the low-carb diet, and like I said, it was kind of a, a last resort for me. I had to do something. But by the end of the first week, something just amazing happened. I realized I wasn't obsessing over food anymore. My yes. hunger was under control. My cravings were under control. A lot of times I wasn't even hungry. I almost had to remind myself to eat, which is the exact opposite of what I've ever experienced before. You know, on low fat, I was just counting the minutes till my next meal. Sure. Because I was so hungry. So I wasn't obsessing anymore. And that, that was huge for me. Uh, it's a big eye opener. So I currently still eat fairly close to induction levels because I did have some weight gain and I'm working it back off. But when I was maintaining for quite a while, I stayed around 40 carbs or so. Mm-hmm. I didn't go much higher because I found that I did start gaining after that. I just seemed to be very, very sensitive. Interesting. Yeah. So I've kept it pretty low, but for the most part, I know they say the brain needs carbs, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't have any brain damage, and I've been on it since 2001, so I think I'm doing okay. Yeah, it does fairly well on ketones. I know that there's a discrepancy between what Barry Sears says, you know, that you need to eat enough carbs to feed your neural system, and Atkins says use ketones, and I don't think there's really hard evidence to show that one is preferable to the other. I don't think so either, and from what I've read, you know, the body will create the glucose it needs anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So this we have to have 130 carbs minimum for our brain to function properly is ridiculous. 
Yeah, yeah. Google Neogenesis. We mentioned that yeah. in the last podcast. Yeah, that's right. And that's the factor that people don't consider when they look at, you know, the calorie counting theory. Yeah. They don't look at the macronutrients no, and how that changes the whole bowl game. And I really believe quality is so much more important than quantity in that area. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You've got to nourish your body in a way that it's going to work efficiently. And if you're just putting junk carbs in there, it's going to require so much more to get what it needs. And it just turns you into a big mess. Yeah. What kind of tips do you have to recommend to others that are dealing with um, dysfunctional habits, like stepping on the scale every day? Or every hour. <laughs> or every hour, right? Oh, well, the scale. Throw the scale under the bus. Uh-huh. Seriously. <laughs> you yeah. If the scale motivates somebody, great. I know I do step on the scale daily, but it's so that I can kind of see if what I'm doing is working for me. But that's it. And there are some days I'll go two or three days. But there are people that get on it every morning, and if it's up half a pound, they freak out. And yeah. that is definitely not the kind of behavior they want. They need to limit to themselves so once a week, maybe once a month. You know, it's just too frustrating and you give up if those kind of ups and downs bother you. Yeah, it's more of a mental game. People are kind of a slave to their diet at that point, aren't they? They are. They look at the up and they they don't think of it as, well, maybe I'm retaining a little bit of water or, you know, instead they look at it and they go, oh, I must have ate too much yesterday, so I'm going to starve myself today. And yeah, it's a really bad habit, especially if you can't handle that. I personally have a a pattern. I notice that I'll lose some and then I'll go up a little and then I'll lose a little more and then I'll go up a little. So when I see that, I know it's working for me, but that's for me, you know, when everybody's different. Uh, I would say the best thing to do would be instead of weighing is to use a tape measure Mm -hmm. or your clothes. Um, I've got a favorite skirt that when I started, I couldn't even get into and now it's too big. So I know it's working whether the scale tells me it's working or not. Yeah. And the whole, you know, what is it, a pound of fat and a pound of muscle? A pound is a pound, but muscle is so much more dense that it takes up less space. You can weigh the same, but be building muscle, especially if you're working out, you're going to build muscle. Yeah. And the scale is not going to show you that. It's just going to show you you still weigh what you weighed maybe two weeks ago, despite the fact that you're working really hard. So it's great to have measurements, and it's great to have maybe clothes that, if you don't like doing the measurements, just have an outfit that's tight, you know, and check every couple of weeks, put it on, and see if it's starting to fit better. Mm-hmm. Because the scale really is not a great indicator of how you're doing. I think they have a scale that measures your body fat percentage, and that's kind of what we're getting at with the measurement thing. Yeah. And they may have those on the market. I'm not sure they measure the impedance of the fluids in your body, apparently, and calculate the fat based on that, but... Um, yeah, it's definitely a process that people need to kind of relax and just focus on, you know, the eating lifestyle and the quality of food you're eating rather than obsessing about the weight issue because it really is about losing the fat and the way you do that is by changing the types of food that you eat. So from a psychological perspective, what do you think is more motivating or are they equally motivating? Your own alignment with a a healthy self-image, like what you project into the future as your ideal person, your optimal weight, you know, what it's going to be like being that person and having that image, or the encouragement and support from other people, people in your family and your friends and so forth, as they see you actually lose this weight and become more aligned with your optimal weight. Um, it might be equally, maybe, because it's great to, to have both, to have that, that excitement about where you're going 
and to also have the excitement of someone, you know, coming up to you and saying, wow, you know, you, I'm really noticing a difference. You're really, you're really losing weight or you're really looking healthy. Having others notice the positive changes and cheer you on is certainly motivational because you know that people are seeing your progress. They're seeing your hard work coming to fruition. So I know for me, both of them are very motivating. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's kind of what we focus on too is the healthy mind and fit body. It's a combination. You have to have both. Yes. So, it's just as much mental as it is physical. Yeah, exactly. And that leads into how much would you say that culture is a factor in people's bad eating habits? So like in the grocery stores, we see that uh, inside the aisles or you know, in the aisles is uh, a lot of the junk food and that's most of the store. Yeah. Yeah. I think it plays a very big part. It's a battle. You know, the outside perimeter of the stores are usually your best bet. But, you know, there's a few things on that inside perimeter you're going to want to pick up. And then you walk by all that other stuff that's not only sometimes a temptation, but sometimes a lot cheaper than the healthier food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes the checkbook can have to say on what you put in your cart. Um, I know you can get like Little Debbie snack cakes for a dollar. Yeah. And if people will, you know, I've seen carts with several boxes of those because they're cheap. <laughs> yeah. They're cheaper than, you know, putting fruit in your basket. So, unfortunately, I think that also plays a big part in how some people eat. Yeah, you may not have to uh, pay much at the beginning, but you're going to pay in the end with the uh, the bad yeah. nutrition that comes from that. Yeah, your doctor visits and your weight and, and possibly diabetes or whatever else is contributing to your bad health, the nutrition plays such a part in that. And also, with all of our, like our celebrations, they're all centered around eating. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you notice... It's not centered around salads and veggie trays and meat trays. (laughs) It's centered around the big pies and the cakes and the casseroles. You know, there's not many, I know, going to like church dinners, there's always these big casseroles full of noodles and cheese and the French fried onions and (laughs) you you name it. It's all in a a pot. Yep. And uh, as a culture, that's how we celebrate. We eat. And unfortunately, I think we need to find some better ways to celebrate. Or at least encourage the idea that uh, it's not bad to eat the healthy stuff. I mean, it's like yeah. you know, all these uh, dinner parties and you know Christmas parties and things like that. It's always like, you know, it's so much fun to eat all this junk. Yeah, we do. We make it the fun part of the of the gathering, and you know, and and you're told to clean your plate, mm-hmm. and you're told you know you should try Aunt Bertha's cinnamon roll because it'll hurt her feelings if you don't try it. <laughs> Exactly. And that gets into the peer pressure, right? Absolutely. The negative judgments of people that are not eating so healthy. And how do you deal with that, right? Yeah. And it is difficult because people really, boy, they get touchy if if they make something special and you don't try it. I guess it goes to religion, politics, and now food are not to be talked about. (laughs) (laughs) It does. I I have really gotten into some doozy um, discussions with people over nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to just really, unless I'm in the mood to debate, to just be careful what I talk about because it can get heated pretty quick. Yeah, it's difficult. I actually ran into a a gal in a coffee shop last night who was studying to be a nutritionist or dietitian, I guess it is. And I asked her, so is the mantra still low-fat, high-carb diets and the low-carb diet is bad? And she said, yeah, we, they really still frown upon the low-carb thing. And they just basically advocate you know, a moderate 
amount of everything, a moderation diet, which is kind of like the new food pyramid. I don't know if you've seen it, but they've changed it from being horizontal lines to now vertical lines. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of conceding that, okay, so not all fat is bad and fat can actually be good for you. And, you know, maybe excess carbs is a little bad, but they're still not, they're still reluctant to really look at the evidence for the low carb thing. And in relation to family members and so forth, it's almost seen as a radical way of eating. Yeah. It's hard to convince people that it's actually a healthy way of eating, right? Yeah. It is very difficult. I mean, the best help that I found is that my success tends to speak for itself. Mm -hmm. And with the unsupportive people, I'm just trying to remind them that this radical plan that I'm doing has taken care of some of my weight issues. It stopped irritable bowel syndrome. It stopped GERD. It stopped the severe fatigue that I used to fight on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. uh, I remind them that I don't really get sick much anymore because my eating plan keeps my immune system in top shape. Yeah, I, I noticed that too when I started eating low carb. I used to get these massive colds that would last for weeks. And then suddenly, like, I would rarely get a cold. And if I did, it was like just a few days and pretty mild. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm the mommy. And, you know, when everybody's sick at my house, guess who's cleaning up and, and taking care of them? Yeah. And beforehand, I was, oh, I, it wouldn't be no time at all. I was really sick, just like everybody else. And when I'm eating correctly, I don't have that, those issues. I mean, we've already had a couple of bouts of the flu here this year already, and I haven't gotten anything. And I've, I've just managed to stay healthy. But I'm, you know, I'm not putting sugar in my system. I'm not dumping all that on my immune system. And yeah. It's just great. I, you know, it's hard to argue with that, I think. Yeah. And I also tell them about my blood work. After my first year on low-carb, I decided to prove to myself and everyone else that what I was doing was good for me. And I went to the doctor and had them do a full lipid profile. So I walked into my doctor's office and the nurse sits down with me and she says, okay, we're going to talk about your results. She said, I just have to tell you that in all of my 20 years of nursing, I've never seen blood lipids this good. <laughs> Wow. And she said, I really want to know. She said, I've noticed that you've lost a lot of weight. I, I want to know what, what you're doing because I've been doing Weight Watchers and I've been on it like six months and I've only lost 10 pounds. Uh -huh. And I said, you really, you really want to know what I'm doing? She said, absolutely. I, I want to give it a try. And I said, I'm on the Atkins diet. And you could have heard a pin drop. Said, That's <laughs> not the answer she was expecting at all. Yeah. And so I proceeded to tell her, you know, I eat meat, I eat eggs, I eat cheese, but... I also eat lots of vegetables, more vegetables than I ever ate on a low-fat diet. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not talking potatoes and rice, you know, it's the good vegetables. So I had to kind of inform her what a low-carb diet really was because so many people still have the conception that we just eat bacon and cheese and, and red meat and, and that's what our diet consists of. Yeah. But she was just floored because it just wasn't. That wasn't what she was expecting at all. So I like to, when I do get into this debate, I like to remind people of these things and tell them my story and say, if it's not for you, that's great, but it's working for me and I'm not going to change the thing I'm doing because it's kept me healthy and it's made all the difference in my life. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the documentary Fathead by Tom Naughton. No. Not, no, I haven't yet. Oh, it's wonderful. He tells how the body works and how the insulin works and all this and my children now, after watching his little illustrations on the movie, can tell you how insulin enters the body and how, how we produce too much insulin. I mean, they really grasped it after seeing that. So I highly recommend that documentary to anyone. Knowledge is power, isn't it? It, it yeah. is. It is. And I'm thankful that I'm able to show them the differences, unlike 
with me where I always thought it was the pasta and, and the, the low-fat tortillas and those kind of things that were good for me, and, and they know better, and I'm glad for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of great information. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me and, and let me voice my opinions and have my say. When I started uh, in 2001, it was a craze, and we were all nuts. And nobody thought it was healthy but the people that were actually low-carbing and the doctors that were promoting the diets. Yeah, I'd say times have definitely changed in that regard. It seems like the consumer community with their high demand for this way of eating along with the uh, empirical research, you know, the new studies and popular books such as Gary Taub's Good Calories, Bad Calories have pretty much dragged the medical community and the nutrition industry kicking and screaming into a new way of looking at these things a more objective way of looking at nutrition and health and fitness. And so I think that about wraps it up for us. Thanks for joining us, Amy. This was great. Yeah, thanks, Amy. I really enjoyed it. And uh, good luck with everything you're doing. Thanks so much. And good luck with your podcast. I'll be sure to tell people about it. Oh, oh great. Great. Thanks a lot. We'll put you all, all, right. your, uh, all your info in the show notes. All right. I appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Have a good week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that was our interview with Amy. Hope you all liked it. And if you have any suggestions for other people that you would find interesting that we interview, just go to our website, healthymindfitbody.com, and you can find our Twitter accounts there. You can send us a direct message on Twitter. Uh, or just write comments from the show notes. We'll put all the links in the show notes to this show. And if you really like the show, you can go to iTunes and rate and review it from iTunes. There, We'll have a link there in the show notes also. And just a reminder, if you want to pick up our free audio, just uh, go to HealthyMindFitBody.com. Yep, just up the right-hand corner, your uh, name and email address, you get that free bonus audio that talks about the three pillars for achieving your perfect weight. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Happy holidays. Talk to you next week. It's-